Welcome listeners to Small Business Portland. This is a podcast where we discuss the future of independent business in Portland, Oregon. I'm Joy Church. I'm your host. I'm the executive director of Venture Portland here in Portland, Oregon. Today, we're going to be talking about the holidays. It's that time already to consider what we're going to do for COVID holidays 2020. So I'm lucky enough to have three guests on the show today who are going to share what they're up to with their businesses and their business districts. So today we have Bridget Blackburn. She's the co-founder, co-owner of Cargo, which is an amazing shop. If you haven't checked out her store, you must, you must uh, look at her on Instagram, make an appointment to go in the shop. It is really cool and perfect for holiday gifts. Jeff Lynott is here. He is a business organizer for several districts in the city, but he's going to be primarily talking about Foster. So Foster Area Business Association has some great plans. They're going to be starting really, really soon. So I can't wait to hear from Jeff. And then we have Liz Smith. So Liz Smith is a social media consultant expert, and she is the board president for St. John's. So that's a business association in St. John's here in Portland. And they have a lot of really cool plans for now through the end of the year. So we definitely want to hear from her about what they have up their sleeves. So I think we'll start today with Jeff. So Jeff, why not? Will you kind of talk to us about what Foster is doing? I know you're starting some activities any second now for something called Fostoberfest, right? Yeah, that's right. We, um, I mean, obviously it's a play on Oktoberfest um, as we're now in the fall months. Um, we decided as an association that we really wanted to try and squeeze in a couple of events before the end of the year. Um, so initially, Fostoberfest was going to be a food and drink event, really to promote some of the, the bars and restaurants on Foster. And then after thinking about it for a while, we decided that, hey, November, December, that's not guaranteed. So what was originally going to be, you know, a holiday event to promote retail, we, we decided to wrap it all together um, in this one big event to really promote Foster as a whole. So Fostoberfest is going to be uh, celebrating Foster and all its glory. And um, we are going to have a weekend long event really to get people to support local businesses, um, celebrate the community. We're going to have a social media component and really try and get people to tag us and the businesses that they're supporting. We have some gift cards we're going to be giving away to incentivize um, customers getting out in the district, that kind of thing. That's great. So I'm going to circle back with you to get more detail in a, in a minute here, Jeff. But I'd like to turn it over to Bridget for a minute. So as an owner of an amazing business, what is your plan for the holidays? Would you? And I'd love to hear how you normally plan in a non-pandemic year versus this year. Bridget, what are you up to? Well, um, I think, you know, this year, I think we're seeing that people are really, really interested in holding on to those things that um, bring them comfort and uh, a sense of tradition. Um, so we've really worked hard to get that rolled out as early as possible. You know, I think that uh, in most years you will, you know, be really pushing the boundaries if you're trying to get holiday out um, this early. And that's not the case this year. People were ready to start shopping holiday really in the summertime. Um, it, with so much happening in our landscape here, it's been very important to give people things that feel kind of nostalgic or bring a sense of traditions, either their own or a new tradition they might be learning about into their lives. So um, we've really worked hard to bring those to the forefront. And I'm sure this is something that Liz will speak to, but we've 
had to deeply, deeply embrace um, social media and the website and think about not only what does this look like right now for us, but if, gosh forbid, we have to close down again, well, how can we make sure that our website and our social campaigns are up and really able to support us through um, another stretch or other diversity? And Bridget, so you are selling currently in person so people can make an appointment to come into your store and online. And were you always online or have been for several years? We've always been online, but we really made, um, you know, a deep dig to build the website and to, um, and to try to increase the number of products on the site. We've spent most of our labor hours since March on the social media and web. Um, and uh, that's where actually most of our people are back to work right now versus the in-store sales, being that we still have to limit the number of people in the store. So really thinking about what are different ways that people can engage either locally by doing a curbside pickup um, or um, from a distance sending gift packs to people that, that they, they know either here in Portland or across the country. We've done a lot of things where we're taking and putting together packages of things that, that bring together lots of little representations of Portland and what makes Portland great by putting together small makers into one pack and giving a value um, incentive to that as well. So something that might ordinarily be $50 might be 35 and maybe it represents, you know, five or six different small independent businesses that together make a really wonderful collection of things that might share a new tradition or be thematic in some ways. And Bridget, can people begin to shop for the holidays with you now as of today? Okay. Yes, yes. I mean, we've got that out physically in the store right now, um, and it, it will be on our website within a week. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. wow. You're really prepared. That's incredible. That's yeah. a big lift. I'm so impressed. <laughs> and so, Liz, with St. John's, what is happening for your business association? What's going on with small business in terms of prepping for the holidays? Well, right now we're actually running uh, something called St. John's Bites, which was an in-person passport contest that we did last year. This year we've turned it over to Instagram. Social media is some, a tool that we can definitely use. And people can participate at any restaurant or drink establishment in St. John's, take a picture, use the hashtag St. John's Bites, and they're entered for a chance to win a $50 gift certificate. And we're giving away three of those every week. And we've had some really good reaction to that. And it's really neat to see what people are posting. It also includes delivery and takeout. So you don't have to physically be in the location having the meal or drink there, which again, broadens the number of people who can participate. And we love that. Um, secondly, Halloween, our trick-or-treat walk is one of the biggest events in St. John's, as it is for many districts. And we were racking our brains to figure out how we could do some kind of activity really for the kids. Um, that wouldn't cause large crowds to gather, that would still be interactive, but not, again, you know, t maintaining social distancing. So we came up with two things. We actually looked back at our history, and in the early 90s, the boosters used to give away pumpkins for a pumpkin carving contest. And we thought, oh my gosh, let's do that again. Let's give away pumpkins. And then we can still do the pumpkin carving contest, but they can post on Instagram. And that way, again, they take the pumpkin home, they do all of this at home, and they're able to participate without, you know, everybody gathering together. Secondly, um, we decided to do a scavenger hunt, but we really were thoughtful about this in the sense that we didn't want to put any more burden on our businesses who are already having to come up with such different ways to just maintain their business. 
So what we thought we would do for the scavenger hunt is put the call out to different businesses who felt like they could put a clue that we provided in their in their store window with whatever decorations they are or aren't doing. And then we would um, provide sheets with um, the clue, the list of things that you have to fill out to get the clue. Once you filled it out, you turn in your sheet and you get a prepackaged bag of candy. So there's no hands reaching into a bowl. You don't have to hire another person to give out the candy. There's still a candy element, which we felt was important, but we're also going to spread it out over three days. So it'll be October 29th, 30th, and 31st. And really, because these will be in-store windows, anybody could go look for the clues at any time. The store doesn't even have to be open. You can fill out your sheet and then turn it in at one of the locations as you wish over those three days. So we're hopeful that that will be enough of an activity and enough of um, promoting the great spirit of Halloween in the district without the, you know, the hordes of crowds that we used to get. Right. And so for the Halloween piece in the past, how many trick-or-treaters did you oh, have? Oh, thousands. We, we were even, so we didn't even advertise it very much outside the district um, because we only wanted to keep as many people as we could handle. And even with the thousands of candy, um, pieces that people would buy, people would run out within an hour. I mean, it was, it was pretty magical to see all the costumes and everybody just, you know, in the district and people are really missing that as, as well as just all kinds of activities. Um, the other thing is we're sort of partnering with some other groups who are doing other Halloween things uh, like, uh, the pop-up park, which is a community source, community driven park that has, has, um, come to be in our district they were thinking of doing maybe a carving, you know, carving station, socially distanced on picnic tables. So that could go along with our pumpkin giveaway. And somebody else was thinking of doing like a photo, a DIY photo booth where you go at any time to like a certain scene and you can take a picture in your costume and post it to social media. So again, partnering with some of the other groups in the area um, to provide activities and fun for the kids. And so with the pumpkin piece, so how many pumpkins did you decide to purchase? Well, we were thinking about, we're going to see how many we can get. Um, as with most things during this very interesting year, it's kind of like, that's a good idea. How can we make this happen? We've never done this before. So we're trying to partner with um, different groceries. We happen to have a lot of groceries in St. John's. So to see if they can like maybe add on to one of their orders and get, you know, maybe one store can get us 50, the other can get us 50. We're hoping to get 200. Wow, that is amazing, right? You're going to buy up all things in St. John's. Yeah. <laughs> you say with the pumpkins that you, will you be doing a social media aspect for people to show off how they've decorated theirs? Yeah, they can, we'll do another hashtag. I haven't thought about what it is yet, but another hashtag where you could, you know, click on that hashtag and see every what everybody's doing. And I think that'll be really fun. And then we'll find a way to like post them on our website or on our social and share them. And, and that way, you know, people can have fun. But the reason we wanted to do this a scavenger hunt is something physical is not everybody has social media and we recognize that. So we wanted to make sure that like anyone could participate, whether you have a phone, you don't have a phone, you know, you get the sheet of paper, you fill it out, you get your bag of candy, very simple. Right. This is so much fun. <laughs> It's so impressive, all of the great things that you have going on. Oh, my goodness. And so now, Jeff, with Fostoberfest, so how many businesses do you think you, or how many do you have? How many were you hoping for? Kind of walk us through the logistics of how you're pulling this off. 
Yeah, well, it's um, I'm still building the list, but we're guessing maybe upwards of 30 businesses. So we're trying to get as many of the sort of uh, storefronts to, to be active during that weekend. So um, some of them are still to go model, um, you know, so there, there could be sort of, you know, a lot of takeout type stuff, um, ordering online. Um, but yeah, I think we're trying to activate as much of the street as possible. Um, so building that list still. Um, we're trying to, uh, you know, Liz mentioned it, we're trying not to put too much of the pressure on the businesses themselves. So really the big ask is, Hey, pick a special for the weekend. It doesn't have to be a steep discount, but anything that can entice that we can put on the website. So we'll have a landing page on the website. Um, and then when we have a graphic ready, just put that on your social, you know, and so we'll take care of the rest. We're going to do the promoting a lot of stuff on, um, Instagram and Facebook, as far as, um, advertising, uh, the two things that we're going to highlight in addition to just the businesses, you know, right now, Foster's really come alive with outdoor seating. And while the Healthy Businesses program is still up and running and just some of the general sidewalk seating, you know, we're really highlighting that as sort of like, hey, come out, enjoy Foster. There's plenty of outdoor seating, plenty of opportunities for social distancing. Um, but uh, we also have a lot of murals that have gone up. Uh, over the past several months, you know, some of them are actually starting to come down, which is a good thing because businesses are reopening. Um, but before they all go away, we're trying to promote that art in the district as another thing. Come out. The weather's going to be great. We have outdoor dining. Okay. So, Jeff, are you thinking about creating some kind of walking map? Is that possible? Do you have the capacity to do that? What are your thoughts? Yeah. That, so that, that was the original plan. Uh, and we've been working with uh, one of the owners of, so Idle Hands Collective is sort of a vintage boutique store um, that's attached to um, a sign maker. And the owner of that business has really helped coordinate, um, I would say 90% of the new murals in the district. And he, as sort of a pet project, has sort of archived all that stuff. Um, so the goal really was to do a walking map. Um, of those murals. Um, but what's happened is uh, since then, there's been this fundraiser sort of in the works to auction off some of those panels that have been painted on. So some of them have come down. And so we're not quite sure what that walking map would look like um, or if we're going to do it at all. But it's still something we plan to highlight just how it looks may change over the weeks. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. It, we're just in such a fluid time, right? Yep. That with COVID, trying to make concrete plans and then saying, we're going to stick with these plans. It's just not the way to go, right? You have to be so flexible. So I think you're right, Jeff, to think maybe that's not the way to go. Once you have it on paper, then people expect to be able to see whatever you put on the walking map. Right. It may not exist by the time the map is distributed. Totally. Yeah. So again, we're just in very fluid, flexible times here. And Jeff, you kind of mentioned discounts. Um, and so Bridget, I wanted to talk to you about that. So what are you thinking as a shop owner about discounts? You mentioned with some of these packages that maybe, you know, as a gift bag might have been 50, you're doing 35. Um, is that something you've been testing out this summer? Do you feel like your customers expect to see discounts? What do you think? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. It, it's, um, again, being fluid times, it's very interesting to try to figure out how to do a promotional event where you're going to actually physically drive business to the store, but then still be in the position where you've got to limit access to the store. So it's a hard thing to figure out the balance between how do you take something that's good and incentive and, and then manage the possible 
you know, the person's expectations that they'll be able to spend a lot of time in the store or, you know, if there's 50 people online and you only have occupancy for 20 people, how do you, how long will it take? So for the first time ever, actually, we have an annual sale that we run the same time every, every year. So the first time ever we canceled it in store and pivoted it and put it online only. Um, and that was just this past weekend. Um, and it was actually very good. Um, we had very nice um, online sales. We did a lot of curbside pickup. People were really understanding that um, combination. Um, you know, moving forward, we're going to actually take a look at um, not only doing that for the smaller items, but how do we do that for the larger pieces? Because we also carry furniture. So um, other ideas around how to use Instagram stories for larger pieces and really kind of driving sales. But it's it's not going to be the same model. It's not going to be the same expectation of, of having a short sale that you can drive a lot of bodies into your store and hit the same kind of numbers that you were hitting last year. So to me, I'm actually really looking at other ways of doing things. Like what, what can I do that brings a different level of diversity to my stock that, that is maybe something I've never carried before. For instance, um, every year we do a big day of the dead celebration and it's usually done indoors. Uh, we build a giant offerenda and ask the community to come and bring photos and uh, participate in the, in the, the shrine and the, and the traditions and this year we're actually doing it with an outward facing component so that it'll be built into one of our loading docks facing the street. So people will actually be in the outdoor space in the, in the um, parking area that we've got from the safe streets. And um, in that um, we've reached out to members of the local Hispanic community to highlight their products specifically. So we're bringing in um, someone who has got um, wonderful um, roasted Mexican coffee, someone else who's doing bottled Cafe de Oro. Um, and these are people who have ordinarily um, storefronts that are open, but some of them are closed um, or some of them are so small that they aren't able to be out in the marketplaces at all. Um, also uh, a bakery that's doing the pan de mort for, for sale as, um, as the baked good, but also as the ingredients with um, instructions on how to do it. And then we've got someone who's a ceramicist doing skulls, someone who does little retablos, um, another woman who's doing um, custom um, votive candles, so a little bit of everything, but all specifically to these small makers so that we can give them a platform, diversify what we're doing. All of the proceeds will go directly to these artisans. So we're not, we're not anticipating any um, financial gain from it, but really more of a way to take a look at having a shared platform that creates um, honestly more relevance for all of us as we grow out of this, because if we're going to keep Portland strong and vibrant, we need to make sure that our small businesses are making it through this. So for me, you know, part of it is focused on sales, but part of it is also focused on what can we do to shore up our foundations, to keep us relevant, to make sure that when we're providing storytelling about something as important as the Day of the Dead celebrations to the community, that we've got people from the community helping to tell that story. And I think people are really looking for connection with authentic 
goods, with, with uh, traditions outside of their own, with expanding their horizons, with learning how we can learn from each other to be a stronger, more vital community as a whole. So they've been really well received. And although they may not be financial, I think they're going to be strong community builders for us. Wow, that is great. And I really applaud you for really becoming a hub for so many small makers and BIPOC business owners. that Otherwise, you know, we might lose in our community because they just don't have the ability to pivot on their own due to the pandemic. So that is really, really meaningful. I love that. Um, so Liz, in St. John's, what are you hearing from small businesses? Um, when, you're, when you're walking around, when you're looking around, how does it look out there for you? Are you seeing that a lot have been able to be flexible and make changes or are a lot of storefronts closed or closing? What are you seeing and hearing out there? It is a complete mixed bag, Joy. I mean, it is, we have businesses that have closed, but that actually a couple of those started before the pandemic. Some that have just decided, you know, this is the right time for me to exit gracefully. Um, we have new businesses. We have about five, at least five new businesses that have moved in during the pandemic. So that's been kind of exciting to see at this time when you're not exactly expecting it. And then we have some um, retailers who have taken the time to reassess what their inventory looks like and make a change based on needs in the business district. So we have two of our um retailers who are changing one to a more of a, from a shoe store to like an outdoor store. Um, sort of like active wear versus just um, shoes. And then another women's clothing and accessories store that is changing into children's um, interactive games. I mean, real wow. changes, like very, yeah, very big. different. Yeah. <laughs> so like big changes. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, you know, the thing that I, the challenge that I have as president of the district is how, and unless people are following social media very actively, how do we get this word out? Um, so, you know, really telling these stories um, I've given myself the challenge of starting to do Instagram, like sort of um, interviews with store owners so they can tell the story because one of the things that's not happening is you're not going in the business district dropping in in a store, hanging out and talking. So these stories aren't being told. It's Everything is very intentional. I need to buy this. I ordered it. I'm picking it up. So we're missing that element of storytelling. So how can we do that? And we, we, you know, we held a mixer, which was good. Um, just constantly thinking of ways where we can help the store owners and business owners tell their stories, whether it's an existing story or a new story. You know, how can we get this out there and, and give and also give people the experience of, of getting to know the business owners? Yeah, that's such an interesting point that you make. It's so true. I think we're all feeling isolated, right? We're in our own little bubbles, right? As we're, we should do uh, so we don't spread the pandemic, to spread the virus. But I think we're all kind of feeling alone, siloed for sure. And norm normally, you know, you'd have the coffee shop that you go to or the bookstore that you go into. Um, and then you'd have that conversation with the person behind the counter. And that relationship feels very meaningful to so many of us. And that is missing now. Of course it is. So I think that's the storytelling piece is a very, very important one. But yes, I think we're all in this piece of how do you do it for those that don't use social media? How do you engage with them? And that is the question, right? Because we're not encouraging people to put ads in a 
hard copy newspaper, because I think many people don't want to pick up a newspaper either. So there is a void there. And I don't think there's a magic bullet answer to that either. Um, so Jeff, for you with getting out the word about what Foster Area Business Association is doing for Fostoberfest, what is your method? Is it one is solely Instagram or what are you trying? Yeah, I mean, Instagram is, is going to be a big piece of it. Um, we are, you know, Foster, I would say, is, at least in my experience, one of the more sort of hyper-local business districts. You know, there are a lot of business owners that live in the neighborhood. Um, there's a strong connection with the neighborhood association, and a lot of people are inclined to support locally. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll tap into, like, next door and that kind of thing. But we're kind of excited about... Um, Two of the ways we're going to promote. One, we have a mixer upcoming, and so we're going to try and get the word out that way. That one's going to be more for the business owners to like, hey, these are the steps that you can take to um, to promote. Make sure you're sharing the graphics on social, that kind of thing. This is how you can be prepared. But we are also going to do a live stream virtual bingo from one of our bars. <laughs> so um, it's going to be a bit of a fundraiser for this particular business um and there's going to be a virtual component where people can play bingo online but they have a pa system and there's going to be someone sort of hosting it inside the bar while customers are outside listening to the bingo on the speakers as well so there'll be a mix of people playing virtually but and in person um and that's really going to be a hey we have this big event coming up come out support um and, and we're hoping we get a lot of local people that, that show up to that bingo, raise some funds for that business, um, and really build some some energy for the event. Wow, that sounds very fun. I like bingo. I never win, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Jeff, for, so you've got your October activities plotted out. What about November, December? What are you looking at? Yeah, I think that one is going to be more of a sort of organic. Um, we're going to be maybe the um, central hub that gets the word out about individual businesses doing their events. And so I, I think the idea is, you know, with so much uncertainty of what those months are going to look like, I think we will sort of um, make sure we're devoting our website and social really to promote the individual events up and down the street as opposed to hosting one ourselves. So, you know, we won't, won't be putting a whole lot of legwork, legwork in planning anything as much as promoting what's already going to be out there. Right. Understood. I mean, that's a good strategy. You know, you're, it's a volunteer organization. So people are just, and it's a volunteers made up of small business owners, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. with the pandemic, that has just really changed the game too about the number of people that can actually get involved to do an event. So, you know, sometimes the smartest strategy is to look at it very differently versus a big tree lighting, big totally. events that if you can't manage it and it would go poorly. It doesn't look good for any of the businesses if it goes south, right? right. So, <laughs> I yeah. think that's really smart. And Bridget, so you've started holiday already and will there be any stopgap or it's just going to continue through January 1st? Yeah, I think we'll continue um, as, as, as hard as we can hitting on as many different, you know, um, uh, different sort of platforms as we can. I think one of the things, you know, going to Liz's point about storytelling, as we're doing these collaborations with the small um, uh, emerging vendors and makers, we're using um, a lot of our space on our website to do blogs, doing that storytelling work. 
And, um, and then likewise, we are able to push that back to them so they can share on their networks as well. Um, and then I, so I think that between now and the end of the year, we've got a pretty full, you know, agenda of not only trying to hit the holidays that are upcoming, but also really make sure that we've taken the time to fill the space with the stories that are behind them. And I think, you know, uh, the other thing is um, you, we can really only use the tools that we've got and we can continue to try to push these things out to media to try to get coverage on it. But again, under COVID, you know, there's no guarantee that there isn't going to be a much bigger story that means a whole lot more coming, um, coming down the pike. So I think all we can do is really keep into this, these, these small cycles that feel good, feel achievable, feel like you can definitely reach out to that person and make a connection with them and bring them into your, your, um, you know, your community and then try to build that, you know, that, that community outreach together. So for us, I think we're going to go straight through. I think that we're um, a little worried about January, to be honest, and, and trying to figure out what, um, what first quarter is going to look like. Um, I think everybody's been thinking about like sort of a hopeful springtime being more like March, April. So I think um, having a continued conversation about after holidays, then what would be a helpful follow-up? <laughs> That's smart, right? You put, kind of put your eggs in this holiday basket. And it's like, well, business doesn't stop December 31st. It continues, right? You got to make money all the time. Liz just put in the chat, self-care January. I think that's yeah. a very smart idea. People thinking about their New Year's resolutions. So for some type, you know, typically right in a pre-COVID life, right? You see fitness centers getting a boost in their gym memberships, that sort of thing. Um, you know, because we're all thinking about losing those holiday pounds and, um, you know, life anew kind of thing. So what that means for cargo will be very interesting to watch. Um, Bridget, I did want to ask you too. So in prepping for holiday inventory levels, so what has that been like? How do you do, how do you make those choices? Well, that's, that's, that's a good one, especially since, you know, our history is a direct importer. So we um, typically speaking before all of this, we would have ordered hundreds of things and had them warehoused and brought in because we were bringing in direct from overseas from either India or China or Japan. And so we would have very deep quantities and, um, you know, we didn't do that at all this year. So, um, and we also were really fond of having a lot of variety. So many, many SKUs and um, in, in that scenario. So we're going fewer SKUs, um, deeper inventory on them so that we can get them online. Um, we, um, my partner Patty and I uh, have always used a phrase that don't buy it if you don't love it. So we definitely stick to, to that as well. And then, like I say, just um, in, a, in the midst of that, then trying to say, how can you support the smaller vendor or the smaller maker in it so that that you have that deeper category, but you also have these moments of unique one-of-a-kinds that you're able to connect with. So it's a lot more. It's a lot more work. It's a lot more to post um, on the website. It's a lot more inventory to manage and a lot more vendors and work to do. Um, I think that's the the one on... on anticipated part of this is in reopening where we're all at, you know, anywhere from 30 to 70% down, depending on your business. And it's so hard to bring your staff back and yet your staff needs have increased so much. So not only are you trying to make people, make sure people are safe entering your business and make sure that your business is clean and maintained, 
Um, so those are, you know, added positions at your brick and mortar. You're also on the back end having to staff up your social and your, and your web business. So, you know, for a moment there, it felt like, okay, we've, we're doing this with less labor. We'll make this work. Um, well, in reality, the labor is, is really not that much down. And a lot of shop owners are doing a lot of the work. So self-care in January is going to be really needed for a lot of us. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, Liz, in terms of St. John's, so you've got, you know, this big push right now with St. John's Bites. Then you've got the Halloween activities over a three-day period. And then what comes after? So we pride ourselves on being the first tree lighting in Portland every year. That's a big deal. We didn't always used to be, but we are now. That's also going to look quite different because that was a big gathering. You know, someone would donate hot chocolate. We would have the local schools and nonprofits selling their fundraiser items. And then it was a kickoff tonight on the town, which was a big shopping event with a, with a physical passport. But something that I really liked that we did during COVID is we took some of the marketing dollars we had set aside for like, events or printing and we turned it into a mailer and again this is getting into different hands of people who may or may not have social media so i would also like to create a gift guide that simply has like the names of the stores you know how you can shop with them do they have a website many of them never did and they do now so that's a great way to get out this information plus it's something physical in your hand that you receive at your residence so it, it's a lot different than looking it up online or having to follow, you know, 20 different social media accounts to know what's going on. Um, so I really like that idea of doing a mailer again um, and, you know, using some festive graphics. The second thing is that lighting the district is very important. We do it in usually mid-November, but putting on the tree lights, we started the conversation earlier this year because we want to get them lit as soon as we are able to do so which means the leaves have to be off the trees in order for them to string them but as soon as that's possible because i noticed especially with the outdoor seating when the district looks enlivened people safely come out socially distance get their takeout sit you know on a haystack in our pop-up park or one of the safe streets um locations and you can you can literally feel how good it feels in the district and i and my sense is that when people feel good or they feel okay they might be more compelled to shop you know um so we want to make saint john's look alive and active in this limited way um and, and just uplifting i think i think you know we've gone through COVID in the warm weather months we haven't really gone through it in the dark rainy weather months. So anything we can do to lift spirits um, in a visual way, I think will be, will be good. Yeah. I think that's very smart. You know, even at the best of times when we hit those winter months, it gets dark so early, you know, to make your storefront or now your street seats look alive with a lot of lights, making people feel like they can see the pathway to, to get seated to get curbside pickup is going to be more important than ever. So they will continue to shop with you and tell their friends where they're shopping, that sort of thing. So that word of mouth is going to be really important. But I think lighting is always important and more so now. I think many of us have not ventured out so that, you know, you get a couple shots, right? People who haven't been out yet, if it seems too scary, they go back in. <laughs> so it's kind of paramount at this point that lighting is, is going to be really critical. You know, I've been talking to some business owners who have said, well, what are we going to do about the rain? 
and they have ordered tents and heaters and umbrellas, but they haven't promoted those things yet. It's like, start talking about it now. Tell your potential guests what they can expect. You know, I think most of us want to see a visual about what am I walking into? What does it look like? Right. And that's really a critical piece of your own business storytelling to show the customer, okay, where am I going to park? Or where's the nearest bus? How am I getting all that path? So that 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 consumer sort of auditing where they're going to try, where they're going to go. So I think this is really important. Again, what you said about the lights and making it look exciting and safe is, is more important than ever before. So Jeff, I wanted to circle back. So Fostoberfest, can you please tell listeners when it is, how they can find out about it? How should they stay in touch with what Foster's up to? Yeah, well, so it's October 16th through the 18th. That's uh, Friday through Sunday. Um, most of the businesses will participate for the entire weekend. Some will maybe have a special just for one or two of those days. Um, all of that information will be on our website, fosterarea.com. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. I think, um, again, really just getting the word out about foster is, is one of the benefits and, and getting one last cushion, um, for the season is, is the other benefit, obviously. Yeah, I think that's very true. And getting that word out sooner rather than later, so people can get it on their calendars and you remind them, remind them, remind them. And you know, listeners, um, for business owners, you know, Amazon announced they're doing Prime Day, right? So that's October 13th and 14th. So they're trying to get consumer money early. So if the sooner you can get ahead of that, so you know, if I've got a hundred bucks, tell me I should spend it with you versus going on Amazon. So, because a lot of customers, right, they're like, oh, Amazon Prime Day is October 13th. They've marked their calendars. So, if you can get them to mark their calendars for your business on October 12th, you can get their money instead. Uh, so, I think that's really important. And it really wasn't widely broadcast that they are doing that Prime Day, which is two days, the 13th and 14th. But, you know, let's try to, you know, push some money into our own small businesses instead of with Amazon. Um so Bridget, would you like to give a shout out to Cargo and let people know how, how they should access you for the holidays? Absolutely. Uh, we're at Cargo Inc. That's inc.com. And, um, and our website's very lively. We're adding to it all of the time, um, doing all kinds of interesting things. The, the pack gift packs, especially there's three or four different ones on it. Now we're also very active on um, Instagram and Facebook and um, we'll be continuing to run fun kind of uh, one day and short term um, sales and, and promos on especially Instagram live. And what is your Instagram handle? Uh, it's cargoinkpdx.com. And Liz, so how should consumers find out about what's happening in St. John's? Um, we are also active on social, but I would say the hub of everything is our website, which is stjohnsboosters.org. And our Instagram and Facebook feed onto the website so you can literally see the contents of our social and our website on the, on the landing page of the website. And that's where we also list um, our members have a full web page. So when you join our membership, you have a web page. So you can see their um, links and their photos and get a sense of them as well as easily linked to their pages as well. So stjohnsboosters.org is the best way. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, we are wrapping up our time. Listeners, thanks so much for being with us. Guests, thanks for taking the time out of your very busy lives to share what you're up to for the holidays. I wish you all the best. This is really exciting. Forward to Fostoberfest. 
buying some ornaments at Cargo and St. John's. I've got to visit the pop-up park. I'm really excited about it. Um, Liz keeps posting about it on Instagram. She's so great about that. And I'm so intrigued. Um, I haven't really been out yet. So I'm excited to check it out in St. John's. Um, any last words for anybody before I go ahead and sign us out for the day? Yes, Liz, please. I have one. Um, this is a really neat opportunity for public art. We just had a local photographer do an art show in our prop up park and it was outside. So anybody could view it anytime. And they're talking about doing um, art in any of the empty storefronts, engaging the windows. So again, enlivening the district. And I love the idea of public art at this time, whether it's murals, um, show outdoor shows, um, make it accessible to everybody. Very good point. Thank you so much. So thanks to my guests, listeners, thank you. This has been really fun. We do this once a month, so please stay tuned for, you know, we'll have one in October and in November and December, and here we are. So again, we are the Small Business Portland Podcast. It's hosted by me, my name's Joy Church, and it's produced by Dane Fredericks and Jacob Falkenberg. You can connect with us on Instagram. We're Venture Portland. Uh, so find us, look for us. We're VenturePortland.org. Is that right? Jacob's saying yes. <laughs> You can find out about what we offer at Venture Portland for small businesses and business district associations. And we offer trainings and technical assistance and all kinds of engaging things for small businesses and associations. And don't forget to buy local and support small businesses because small businesses build strong neighborhoods and keep money away from Amazon. <laughs>